Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And today we are going to be getting into some really interesting conversations that are really going around, and the, the rest of the whole church, maybe even the whole world, are yeah. discussing these sorts of things. So as you can see from our title, we're going to be talking about the broad subject of critical theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we could even say critical theories. Um, different ways of understanding the world, the way that the world is, how it has gotten to be that it, the way that it is, and so on. And so uh, we're, we're dealing with this topic for ourselves really because of a conversation that is now taking place in, in our church um, uh, the last, this last week or so uh, about critical race theory in particular. And so we wanted to do a little bit of an episode to explain our thoughts as pastors uh, on on critical theory and, and sort of try to give a, a good coverage for, especially for lay people who maybe don't really know a whole lot about this, this way of thinking. Uh, they don't, they've never really heard of this before. Uh, I don't think either of us pretend to be experts on, on this issue, but I think we, we both feel that we have enough to say and we have enough thoughts on, on the issue to just say some hopefully helpful things. And so we, we wanted to just to make an episode, especially for members of our own congregation. Yeah. Of course, we realize that with this podcast, people from all over the world could be listening. And if you are, we're, we're happy to have you. But this one in particular, we're, we're doing because of conversations that are taking place here in our own context. And so uh, that's, that's part of the impetus for, for why we're doing what we're doing here today. Yeah, as, as pastors, we're responsible to care for the flock that we have, and mm-hmm. that will include talking about things that are happening in our culture, in our world, especially very large, influential movements. Um, we, we need to talk about racism hmm. and politics yeah. and uh, educational models. We've done that through the Christian education um, hmm. episode. Um, all sorts of ethical uh, ideas and and beliefs that are promoted <laughs> as Christians, as uh, reformed Christians in particular, we're responsible to our people to say, here's what's happening yeah. in our world. Here's what the Bible says about that. Um, there are a lot of people who would comment on these things who hmm. might do so out of uh, sort of ignorance. Uh, hopefully, we, what we can bring as ministers is the scriptures' response to what is happening in our world. Um, it mm-hmm. might not always fit perfectly into a political box, and so I, I think even as we start to have this conversation, critical race theory or critical theory, often people think, "Are you going to go the conservative media direction and say this is?" just bad and <laughs> CRT or um, maybe even some people would say social justice bad all yeah. that's bad and, or is it going to be favorable to critical race theory it, it's almost as if we're just given two choices and as as pastors our job is to know the scriptures and to communicate them mm-hmm. and I think that we'll find through the conversation that there are some good questions being asked by critical theorists, um, but ultimately we've got to go with what the Bible says for how we respond to injustice and how we care for our neighbor, how we live with the attitude of Christ. Hmm. Yeah, so maybe we should just start off by asking the question, well, what is this whole thing about critical theory? Uh, Is it just a theory that's critical of everything, of everyone? Uh, Sort of, I guess you could say, in some sense Hmm. it is. I think it's helpful to say before we even give a definition, which we will do, uh, it's helpful to say that 
many people are learning critical theory without ever being told that what they are being taught mm -hmm. is critical theory. Mm -hmm. They're just being taught it as if it were just obviously true. And so this, this happens a lot, especially through social media, through institutions like universities or colleges, even now more and more in K through 12 uh, schools and education, this sort of stuff is being taught and nobody's being told, hey, this is critical theory and here's how it's helpful for, for seeing the world. They're just being told uh, to see the world the way that critical theory suggests we should see the world. And so it's a little bit subtle. It sort of assumes it, the worldview, you might say. Yes. And so a lot of people know critical theory. And as we, we describe it here in a second, they'll say, oh, yeah, I've been taught that. I didn't even really know that that had a name. And so I think that that's that's helpful to to keep in mind. Yeah. And um, it's yeah, as we get started with trying to define it, it's actually not very easy to define because there are true. many working definitions of critical theory, um, especially critical race theory. And so um, critical theory really started in the 1970s with um, what is called critical legal theory. So hmm. there was there were a group of lawyers who um, who decided or who noticed um, that in the world of law, there are certain assumptions about um, how to how to judge, how to respond to different situations. Hmm. And and they were seeing that in in many cases in law, things were going sort of favorably towards those of a white background and unfavorably towards hmm. those who are, who are people of color, uh, black, um, Latino, so forth. Um, and so these people set out to say, what well, we need to be critical of that uh, mm -hmm. assumption, uh, critical of that trend or, or of that thing that they were noticing. And so uh, they set about trying to deconstruct those um, structures, we would mm -hmm. say, the, the, the apparatus. Um, and so it really started in the, the area of law, but then it spread into um, race in general. Mm -hmm. um, there's, uh, it, it definitely also took the form of um, uh, critical gender theory is, mm -hmm. is definitely another one of those things, sort of uh, men and women and how we interact with one another. Um, and ultimately, I, I think it is fair to say that critical theory is very focused on where the power is. Mm -hmm. That's the big question that they want to answer. And um, along with that, they'll, they'll then say, how are we going to correct the power imbalance? Mm -hmm. um, and from that, m much of the research that I've done has shown the answer for the questions about injustice and oppression is essentially a Marxist answer, and that word is thrown around almost as an insult, but I, I do mean it quite literally, that the Marxist says, um, mm -hmm. uh, essentially revolution, uh, 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 deconstructing mm -hmm. um, some of these things and reversing the, the scales uh, is what has to happen in order for there to be justice mm -hmm. because there has been previous injustice done. Yeah, so basically what, what the critical law theories were getting at was that the whole judicial and, and legal system in the United States being built by, they would have said, by white people, white men, um, it just happens to favor white men and white people in general. And so the habits of judges, the ways of viewing the world, of, of assessing situations and making judicial statements uh, sort of tended to favor and give advantages to to white people. And so they saw that the whole system, the whole Western system of law, and now it's not just about law, it's really about all things. Marketing and, and, and uh, education. Education is the big one right now. Yeah. All of these things are built in order to give advantages to, to white people. Uh, and so those are those are the people at the top of the system, and then everybody else. So those are the oppressors, and then everybody else is essentially the oppressed. And so it pits th this sort of ongoing power uh, imbalance and, and a sort of war uh, between different people groups. Um, and so 
that's yeah. that's sort of how it all got started. That's sort of the origins. We could we could go a little bit deeper also and talk about the Frankfurt School in Germany and the different movements that conspired between Marxists and Freudian psychology, uh, trying to sort of bridge the gap between those two philosophical movements. Uh, and one of the things that happens there is that oppression is psychologized. So for Marx, oppression was about those who were poor, those economic. who it was economic materialistic oppression. Those who were poor were with the working class uh, who were struggling to just make their ends meet. Uh, when Marxist philosophy then sort of blends in with Freudian psychology, what happens is that the way of understanding oppression is not material oppression or economic oppression, but it's primarily psychologized oppression. And when it's psychologized oppression, it becomes quite arbitrary and it becomes hard to deny that somebody, if they feel like they're being oppressed, that they're being oppressed. Yeah. Uh, and, and so be. yeah. it becomes quite ubiquitous that everybody who senses their oppression is therefore oppressed. And who are you to tell them that they're not being oppressed? Yeah, there's a lot of work done on this exact topic in... Um, a great, great book called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. Carl Truman is a theologian at Grove City College, and he has a podcast called Mortification of Spin, <laughs> which is a fantastic podcast that um, rejects a lot of the knee-jerk reactions that people give to something like critical theory, but yeah. also is helpfully critical of that theory as well. And so Carl Truman um, wrote about, again, you can probably tell what his topic is the rise and triumph of the modern self and so um, just what Zach said the uh, the Freudian interpretation that um, how I identify um, is or even how I self-identify that is what matters most about who I am mm -hmm. and um, when you add a, a desire for power to that um, which has been happening in the past it, it didn't just start with Marxism um, when you add a desire to that, then my whole job in life is to sort of get to the top. Hmm. And so that, that's where we as Christians do start to uh, need to be uh, critical of this critical theory that, um, and I tried to do this in a recent sermon where I tried to note hmm. uh, that this obsession with power that is there in um both in critical theory and in the response to critical theory. So like yeah. some, some would say um, we need to, we need power. We need control over, you know, all of the companies at the, the top of American society. And then some maybe more politically conservative people would respond and say, no, we're keeping our power. Mm -hmm. You're never going to get it. Like both of them are power hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a major issue of course, in American history. Uh, and so in that sense, critical theory does ask some really good questions and it challenges assumptions maybe that are being made in our legal system or in our educational um, approaches to, uh, to how different people can learn. But um, the response is not to seek power, hold power um, at all costs, get to mm -hmm. the top and shame people on your way up, um, cancel them, if mm -hmm. they call them racists, if, if they don't agree with your method of dealing with this issue um, that's not the Christian way and so that's where we as pastors come in and say what is the way to respond to an injustice it's to to seek real justice but also it's the way of grace which is a really hard way to go it's the way of service and of, of humility that I think is part of the fundamental reason that I am so opposed to critical theories in general is that they are quite lacking in, in, in grace. Uh, but I, I do want to say, and I think you were saying it here, is that the responses that I, I often hear to, to critical theory or critical race theory uh, are often so fiery and selfish. Mm -hmm. And yeah, as you said, people wanting to retain their power, feeling scared that they're power and influence or privilege is going to be stripped of them and so they fight back and they reject these theories i think a lot of the times when i hear particularly conservative or even republican often or libertarian responses to critical race theory i i, I sort of cringe at them a little bit because they 
they're they're very different than I think what a Christian mm. response should be. Uh, the, a Christian shouldn't want to see the world in terms of mere power and power imbalances. And if there are power imbalances, the Christian should want to serve. The Christian wants to humble themselves. They don't want to get run over, of course, but they're willing to if they have to in order to serve and to benefit and to bless their neighbor. Uh, that is a fundamental Christian way of living life. And so I guess for me is that I see that there are issues on both the left where people are predominantly for critical theory or critical race theory in particular, and I see issues on the right and the response to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that it can be a little bit reactionary on the right uh, where people start to throw around words like cultural Marxism as if they're the boogeyman words. And as soon as they, they say, oh, look, critical theory is just Marxist theory. Therefore, yeah, you don't have to think about we should it. we should just toss it out. It's yeah. it's it's a joke um, and it's just blanketly evil. I think that that's that's to do a disservice to, to people who are actually trying to think critically about all of this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, we I, should I, keep in mind, Marx came from, he lived in England. He was a German philosopher and he lived in England in the Industrial <laughs> Revolution. And the reason that he came up with the ideas he did is there was abject, absolute poverty that was rampant <laughs> in the culture in <laughs> England that he was living in. There was an exploitation of rich people in of factory workers in <laughs> England. And that's... So there was a real thing happening. There was real injustice being done. And, right. Um, and he saw something real just in the same way that, that we need to know that real injustices have been done and perhaps even are being done. I, I believe yeah. they are being done yeah. um, today. And uh, uh, we have to recognize that mm-hmm. um, while also keeping in mind the, the heart of Christ. Uh, Thomas Aquinas once talked about how we respond to injustice Hmm. and he said um if there's an injustice done to me i may be called to be gracious and to to endure it (laughs) um if there's an injustice done to my neighbor uh, christ calls me to seek to correct that relentlessly yeah and so i think that's a really helpful that is really helpful uh, corrective to both sides of this um where if if the injustice is done to me as a i mean christ of course suffered the ultimate injustice at yeah. the cross um and he endured it he uh he was he did, came not to be served but to serve and so that's the call on on each christian person when hmm. they would have a difficult situation in their life but when we see our neighbor um suffering especially if there's some sort of obvious case of it um we are responsible to care about that yeah. and to, to to seek some sort of to do what resolution we can for it yeah. yeah yeah so i think we can we can both agree maybe in to varying degrees but i think mark and i both agree that there there are good reasons that critical theory is appealing to people um i, I think people see in critical theory um the ideals of elevating the weak, the poor, the oppressed, and so we want to, we want to lift them up. We want to help them. We want to uh, improve their their way of life uh, because they're being unjustly treated by the system or by <laughs> by their employees, and so on. And so th- these sorts of of feelings of wanting to take care of those who are uh, being pushed down. Those, I think, and I would argue, uh, especially thinking of Tom Holland's book, Dominion, um, which is a whole other episode we could do, uh, I think what actually is happening here is that people in our world today, without often even knowing it or admitting it, have sort of baseline Christian moral values uh, of wanting to protect the poor, the weak, and the, the marginalized. And so critical theory to them seems as seems like a persuasive way a persuasive system of thought or a persuasive worldview that helps them approach how to help the poor and the weak and the oppressed and so i think when we, when we criticize critical race theory people may be hearing us as saying we're against social justice yeah. which i don't want at all 
to or, say or against knowing history that's another one too. yeah yeah and, and so we're not saying that we are not saying that we need to know black history we need to know all of the injustices that have been done to black people or other people of, of other ethnic ethnicities women the poor it, like we should be wide-eyed to that sort of stuff we should not want to turn a blind eye or diminish what has happened we want to have our eyes wide open to to what has gone on mm-hmm. and so I, I just think that the issue with critical race theory is not so much the diagnosis, but it's the prescriptions. It's for it's the how to go about societal change in a way that will bring equal equality, uh, that will that will bring blessing to all people. Um, and in this way, I think uh, critical race theory functions sort of like a religion, a pseudo religion. It won't call itself a religion. Many atheists hold to it. But in a, in a sense, it is very utopian, or even we could say eschatological. It has a vision for the future that so it has a sort of meta-narrative structure to it. There's a fall. There is sort of a, a recreation or a salvation sort of thing. This is wokeness. Take people talk about being conscious to these issues now, being awakened. It's sort of, a, it's sort of is similar to a Christian regeneration being an ally Um, and so you become an ally you live into this story now of bringing justice and you look forward to this utopian vision where people who are on the outs are now uh sort of the king of the hill they are they are put in positions of power they are elevated to places where their voices are are heard and no longer pushed aside and so it calls everyone particularly white people uh to to repentance and to move towards this grand utopian vision. Yeah. Uh, and so... Yeah, one guy who talks about this a lot is a, a linguist at Columbia University named John McWhorter. Oh, yeah. Um, who is... Very thoughtful. Uh, just so that people can can know what place he's coming from. He is politically liberal. He is not Christian. Um, I think he's he is, an atheist, he is isn't he? He's a black man. Yeah, he's an atheist. And he, he writes a lot about, um, in The Atlantic, about how... Um, this is a new religion and um, again I think it's so important to stress um, this is not Tucker Carlson Sean Hannity Laura Ingram (laughs) saying that's a religion we don't like it Um, but this is a thoughtful um, even politically liberal black man Mm -hmm. who who notices um, he talks a lot about the original sin of Hmm. of um, critical race theory being whiteness basically Mm -hmm. and uh, how that's that's a uh, "Quote unquote sin that um, a person could really never atone for, and so <laughs> um, there's not a lot of hope." Um, he recognizes for real reconciliation, real justice, real unity and community. Um, given that uh, that people, by virtue of their race, are are cast off as all ultimately guilty and unsavable. <laughs> so um, again, not all critical theorists are pushing that idea um not all people Mm -hmm. who are interested in social justice are pushing that idea of sort of the original sin of whiteness but Mm -hmm. it is certainly there there are many examples of it being there um and a a guy like john mcwarder who i i really strongly suggest people uh listen to his his take on it he's on a a vlog called um it's with another man another black man named glenn lowry and they do a lot of interaction they, they have a weekly vlog that they do glenn lowry hmm. and john mcwarder and uh and they just talk about these things from their perspective and it's really um it's often very data driven they, they support it with with stories and things that are happening in their life and data and information that they're reading so it's not just emotional responses um but he definitely notes that this is he says it's a religion because um, there are heretics, there are mm-hmm. saints, there are holy texts, there are pilgrimages. Um, we can pilgrimages. I don't know. Well, the pilgrimage to the the site of George Floyd's, um, yeah, the, the place where he was killed is sort of the the new type of pilgrimage. We're going to Ferguson to, or uh, to show your penance and to to be a part of this movement. And um, mm-hmm. it and um, it includes a world view. And um, this is really where we want to get to as pastors and say, yeah, um, the worldview of of this critical theory is essentially an obsession with power. Everything is power. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what makes it Marxist in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Um, therefore, the, uh, the correction is absolute equality. Whereas the Christian would say, no, every interaction can be judged by God's word. And so I would say the way that we analyze interactions between people is through the lens of righteousness. Hmm. And um, was was the person interacting, these two people who are interacting with each other, was there righteousness in that interaction, or is there a need for repentance in that in that situation? Hmm. And and some people would say, well, can't those two things go together? I would say, ultimately, no, because um, there are times when I, as a pastor, am an authority, and someone hmm. who is under authority, under my authority, needs to listen to what I have to say. Uh, as a father, there's also an imbalance of power. I have authority over my children. Um, hmm. the, the really pure Marxist will say that power is a problem hmm. and it's got to be uh, corrected. Uh, whereas a Christian would say, no, there is good authority in the world hmm. um, and we should gauge interactions between those in authority and those under their authority through the lens of Scripture and ask about righteousness and justice. Hmm. Um, instead of just assuming those in a pow- those in authority are wrong, those below are the proletariat are automatically hmm. virtuous. So. Yeah, and for Christian Christian thinking, I think power is not something we don't really ever frame anything in terms of power. Who has the power? We we think of things and we we like the word authority better hmm. um, because. For our way of thinking as Christians, authority also has a lot to do with responsibility. Yeah, your responsibility right. to serve, to sacrifice, to give of yourself, to deny yourself, your desires, your needs, your wants, uh, even your privileges. And so for the Christian, for those in power, so to speak, in quotes, in power, such as parents or pastors or teachers or the police or a yeah. politician or a boss, all of those still have moral mandates given to them. They don't just get to be in power and get to be tyrants. Um, There are still requirements and responsibilities and duties that each of these persons or offices have. And so I think Christianity is a hierarchical worldview. We We see things hierarchically, but we do not see them in terms of power hierarchies. We see them in terms of service hierarchies. And in all this way, I think God has structured this the world to be the way it is by by people serving as leaders, being, being leaders who are put in positions who will serve, who will give themselves. And this is what the Christian life is all about. This is why Philippians 2 is so important to the Christian way of thinking about their their place in the world. Uh, wherever, whatever station you're you're at, uh, whatever, whether you're poor or rich, whether you're sort of in power or not, whatever, wherever you may find yourself, Philippians two is the the manner of life that we're all called to do. Where Paul says, "Have this mind among yourselves, uh, who, being like Christ, who, who did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but." Uh, humbled himself and became a human and died a death, not just any death, but a death on a cross. Uh, this is how we should we should live our lives, just like Christ. We should serve. We should give ourselves. And so that is a sort of foreign way of thinking for critical theory in general. Um, yeah, and maybe we're wrong. Maybe there are... Uh, advocates of it out there who are calling people to humble service to care for their neighbor to overcome evil with good um, maybe it's possible that, that that is happening out there somewhere I have not encountered those sources and often um, what I have encountered is material that that very much obsesses with power um, and um, instead of focusing on righteousness, the will of God. Um, And the reason that I think it's important for the Christian to remember that our worldview includes an an analysis of righteousness is that, yes, we can look at injustice. Uh, Think of um, a, uh, maybe somebody can can show that there's a police force 
that has uh, that is sort of oppressing a local community in some way. Hmm. Um, th- then we can ask the question of righteousness. We shouldn't we shouldn't just assume that uh, because they're an authority they must be wrong. Mm-hmm. We should look into those situations and gauge them with the word of God and say it is true that um, these four hmm. officers uh, were acting oppressively towards a black man. And, mm-hmm. and, and there, the, the, the critical theorist will say, of course, it, of course they were acting incorrectly. They have power and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're saying, as Christians, they are acting um, unjustly because uh, they're, not, they're not treating him with kindness. They're judging him by his... Uh, they're showing favoritism, um, mm-hmm. in, in this case, a lack of uh, a lack of care for a neighbor who has dark skin. Um, so, therefore, there is hopefully justice happening and justice promoted, mm-hmm. um, but it isn't a superficial judgment um, mm-hmm. that often critical theorists that I've seen um, offer. Yeah, so I think maybe at this point in the episode, it would be helpful for those listening... For, for us to explain also what we're not saying yeah. in all of this because it can it maybe still sounds like we are denying yeah. certain realities like the reality of racism so so what are some things we are not saying by offering a critique of critical theory and critical race theory well we're definitely not saying that you don't need to learn history and we're also not saying that um history has been just taught perfectly and uh, we just need to be loyal to America. America's great. Um, Let's just move forward and we don't like hearing these bad things about ourselves. Um, I think that that is one reaction to critical theory. Hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that that is often what gets the most emotional responses from uh, some of my friends who are are black. who would say you we need to know and teach in schools about lynchings and uh the tulsa massacre that happened where the entire black community of tulsa which was a very um affluent community in a lot of ways a beautiful community was burned to the ground and many people were killed i think it was something like 30 some people were killed (laughs) in that riot Mm -hmm. and uh i did not learn about that growing up and it's it's unfortunate yeah um, even in in the history of my own high school, uh, there is there was a really complicated situation involving segregation, and I never heard hmm. about that. And so, um, I don't think that that necessarily means that all the kids who go to Timothy Christian School in Elmhurst are guilty and owe a penance in in some way to the black community. But I wish I would have learned about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that so that I could have known the truth. Mm-hmm. And also, we can we can gauge things and analyze them through the lens of Scripture and say this was an injustice, hmm. and we need to learn from it moving forward. Yeah. So we're not saying we don't need to know history, um, and and everything is just great. We do need to know what really has happened in the history of America. Yeah. One of the interesting things that I've just observed over the course of the past couple of years uh, is that critical race theorists want to say, look, we, we need to look at our history as, our, yeah. as a country much more seriously than we do or than we have. We need to be taught all these things, which I, I would agree with all of those things. We do need to be taught the real seriousness of, of the problems of racism in our country. We shouldn't just cover it over or skip over it. It needs to be taught. And so in doing so, they will say, look, America is fundamentally flawed and, mm. and screwed up because of this this racism issue, um, which is quite the, the statement to make. But in reaction to that, I see a lot of conservatives then doubling down on their, their yeah. American exceptionalism, that America, yeah. no, you just hate America. We love America. We're patriots. We, we love everything about America. America's the greatest country in the world, blah, blah, blah. All this sort of stuff gets, gets thrown out again as if you have to choose either the extreme left yeah. or the extreme right. right. Uh, I, I think we can say America is a strong country. It's been blessed by God. America also has 
many, many sins, uh, many skeletons in her closet. Uh, we, we can we can address the reality of racism. Uh, I, I think that it's very real, obviously. I don't think anybody can deny that, um, especially historically, mm-hmm. but even still today. Um, but neither do I do I hate America. I'm proud. I am proud to be an American. Um, I can be honest with with our country's sins, but I also don't need to double down and act like America is this perfect little new Israel um, where perfect righteousness has been found and discovered. Uh, yeah, there's a place for loyalty and patriotism, and those things can be really good. But yeah, when it becomes, and how dare you ever criticize my country? Yeah. Um, then obviously it's an idol. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's just sort of stoked those fires a yeah. little bit more. Uh, another thing I want to say, though, in regards to what I think we're not trying to say, that I, I don't think we're trying to say that critical theory or critical race theory is entirely untruthful. I think it, it notices some, some realities in the world. Um, so... Yeah, in one example, I mean, I, in my research, I was looking up some critical theory podcasts, and some of them had really good questions that they were answering or asking. Yeah, and like for one one example was, um, what is our relationship to Puerto Rico as a nation? Hmm. So these critical theorists were saying, here's this nation, obviously Spanish speaking, uh, Latino nation, uh, where that doesn't really have the rights of a state, and perhaps in some ways is kept under the thumb in, in some ways by America. I don't, I don't know if all that is true, but it's a mm-hmm. good question to ask. Like, mm-hmm. what is our relationship to Puerto Rico or American Samoa or Guam or, yeah. or all these other places? And so critical theorists, um, because they see a lot of injustice in the world, are noticing some real injustice that we need to at least investigate and right. ask questions about. Like, that would just be a little example of maybe a benefit that we would have from the critical theorists. Hmm. Um, the same thing from the, the law, um, how law is done, how marketing is done, hmm. how, uh, <clears throat> how mute, what, uh, what is considered good art and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe a lot of those, a lot of, in a lot of cases, um, what is white or, or more European is considered good and what is not is considered bad. Hmm. Um, we can find mm-hmm. that there are uh, examples of that favoritism in sure. history. Yeah. Uh, and even still today. And I think we can also recognize that, that as you and I both, we're both straight white men who understand ourselves to be men. So we are what yep. some people would call cisgendered. Uh, we are Christian men. Uh who have European uh, origins eth- ethnically, um, and so I, I think that that colors our experience in a very different way than somebody who is, for example, a black woman or uh, maybe a disabled transgendered black woman who is uh, a lesbian. <laughs> we sure. can sort of stack That's on the intersectional yeah. sort of things. We're going to have a different life experience than them. I think we can we can acknowledge that, and so what I think we need as a baseline is grace. Everybody needs yeah. if the Christian sort of utopian vision is that everybody is gracious with one another, receives uh, and gives grace. Yeah, 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 and so the people like me will be gracious to others who have a, who have different life experiences, who have different uh, ties to different groups uh well there are different communities if we want to call them that um so if you're a black person you're just going to have different experiences than me i don't think i don't i don't want to deny that um and i don't want to deny that there may even be advantages for me i I think that that that's 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 clear uh and so i I think that there are some helpful things that that critical theory can help to expose Uh, but it's the grander fuller part of the vision and the the prescriptions for how to reverse and fix the problem that i am so opposed to i think well and maybe we can get specific in that too because it could seem like we're just dealing in generalities a lot yeah Um, so to get really specific about where 
critical race theory can lead and it being uh, just a disaster ethically. Um, Evanston, Illinois, uh, this just came to my attention yesterday, a, a teacher who is um, a public school teacher in Evanston, Illinois, District 65, um, basically has filed a complaint with the school district because this teacher refuses to teach critical race theory and have that influencing um, hmm. how they value students of different colors. And so um, I'll just read from the complaint uh, that, that this teacher gave. And this is, it's kind of a lawsuit, I guess. Um, so District 65 requires its teachers to A, accept that white individuals are loud, authoritative, and controlling, to B, understand that to be less white is to be less racially oppressive, and C, to acknowledge that white identity is inherently racist. <laughs> um, and so this is not only, uh, teachers have to sign on to this, in Evanston and, and, and say, we agree with this. Um, a lot of this comes from a book called White Privilege by, or sorry, um, White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo, uh, which they were also required to read to be a teacher at this school. Um, it comes from there and it's, it's not only supposed to be adhered to abstractly, but it's supposed to be incorporated into the curriculum so that students, including white students, are told to be white is to be racist. To be white is to be an oppressor. Um, hmm. I mean, this being taught to second, third, fourth graders is uh, is, is really evil. It is truly evil. Yeah. And, and so that is happening in Evanston. I know it's happening at other schools, the Dalton School, Bryn Mawr, um, uh, very high up schools at, at Ivy League schools incorporate this, I know, into a lot of the humanities material. Um, I think that this this is going to be um, incorporated based on what I've read into even what's happening at places like Calvin University and Dort University. Um, I know Calvin a little bit more than I don't know as much about Dort at this point, but hmm. uh, this is an influential way for people in the humanities in particular, psychology, social sciences, history, to teach that, that this is how we've got to interpret both history and the present. And um, hmm. you can see in those examples that teaching children or adults that to be white is to be oppressive is not Christian, not true, and um, there's no hope, there's no grace um, yeah. available there. Yeah, that's one of the, the other fundamental problems with critical theory is that it is very much law and very, very little gospel. So there's a loud call to repent uh, of racial injustice in particular. Uh, and, it, and then there, when there is repentance, there's very little forgiveness or grace to be shown for white white persons. Uh, and so it's... And there's no justification. So like Tim Keller right, correctly distinguishes between forgiveness and justification. I, I love what he says where he says forgiveness means you may go. Mm -hmm. justification means you may come yeah um and uh th there's there's no room for that in mm -hmm. critical race theory that i have found again prove please prove us wrong if you're listening and you're having a really hard time with some of these accusations towards critical theory please show us the places where the critical theorist is saying we can live in a world of peace of grace of um, accepting one another in our weaknesses of forgiving things that have happened in the past. Mm -hmm. Please show us that, um, that material because I, I have not yet found it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that is an interesting part of the, the equation here when it comes to how to seek towards peace, or we could even say Shalom to use a popular CRC word. <laughs> yeah. Um, as we as we work towards this, how how will we do this? Uh, will, will it simply just require persons with more privilege to bow the knee or to bow out of of any sort of powerful positions or authoritative positions? So, should white people just sort of stop running for government? Should they stop trying to be yep. teachers? Should they even stop trying to take uh, spots at prestigious universities so they can allow? ethnic minorities to to have them um well that's one of the ironies of all this is that a lot of the people making a ton of money on this ideology are white 
people like Robin D'Angelo, <laughs> um, you know, who, who charges insane amounts to come to Fortune 500 companies and train them. Mm-hmm. So there's um, there's a lot of there's a lot of money involved. Uh, I don't want to say that that's their only motive because maybe these people have great uh, have have good motives and they're they're um, misguided in in their philosophy and in their religious views. Mm-hmm. But um, certainly, that is an irony that you point out. Uh, look at who's at the top, and even to some extent, look at where money is, mm-hmm. and uh, and ask it. Are they really living in line with their convictions of what they espouse? Often, hmm. the answer is no. That hmm. I've seen, and and maybe that we as Christians should turn the microscope on ourselves too, hmm. and say, are we confronting injustice? Are, do we work to care for the poor? Do we really do it, or are we just saying, no? Critical theory has a lot of bad stuff in it, and so we don't need to care for the poor. Um, <laughs> feed the feed the yeah. hungry clothe the sick visit the prisoner um and honestly then it's just a defense mechanism against a life of service yeah if we get to the point where feeding the poor feels like a socialist thing to do and therefore we can't do it uh you've gone too far christian yeah. you have failed to listen to god's word i think yeah. uh the word is clear that we must as a as a feature of Christian righteousness, as a demand of Christian righteousness, that we must show no partiality and that we must care for those who are who are poor, those who are hungry, those who are uh, who lack clothing, those who are imprisoned, those who are sick. Yeah. Uh, all of these kinds of people, the Christian must care for. And so, if we get to the point where we're so fed up with social justice yeah. that we have a hard heart toward poor people. You've gone too far. Uh, you have you have bought into a different sort of worldview that is no longer the Christian faith. Uh, it may seem Christian or sound Christian, but but it is not Christian. Um, so, how then? Maybe we could wrap it up thinking yeah. about this thought. How do we seek racial unity, reconciliation, and peace between? all peoples, all cultures, all tongues, and so on. I think it's, um, th- I've learned this a little bit from from listening to a round table of, um, they were all, it was seven black young uh, intellectuals. Um, four were pro critical theory, three hmm. were against. Hmm. And um, I really like what one of them said when he noted that um, we should, we're, we're called to care for the poor and it's unfortunate that so many of these issues are presented as black issues um, when there are there are black people who are doing well and we we can celebrate that and be glad about it Um, but when we care for the poor then we catch all Mm -hmm. Uh, we catch all of the people that god wants us to serve including Hmm. black latino asian native american white Um, and i think that's the call of christ is Mm -hmm. to say um, instead of paternalistically racializing our justice work, um, <laughs> we can follow the law of Christ and desire justice for all people who are poor, who are, um, you know, the immigrant, uh, especially people who would be, say, like wrongly accused and um, unjustly sentenced in the prison system. Um, the fact that this happens, Christians should care about that regardless of the color of their skin. Hmm. Um, I, I really like that approach. I think it's very Christian. And um, it, it also steers us away from that paternalistic attitude. I think there's a lot of a lot of this in the social justice movement where white people think they need to fix the black people's problems. Hmm. I, I hear, I sense a lot of that. Um, maybe they wouldn't admit to that. Um, but if we do the right things, their problems will be solved. We're going to fix things for them. Because uh, they're dependent on us it, to fix. That's very racist, actually. I think yeah. um, <laughs> it, it's, uh, we should <laughs> be interested in helping people with their problems. And um, and I, to me, the way to do it, this is why I go to the prison, is is not to do ministry for black men, but to do a ministry for all of the men who are there who want to hear the gospel, and many of them happen to be black. 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested in hearing their stories and um, they have suffered injustices of varying degrees. Some maybe not, others mm. extremely have. Um, yeah. And and as a Christian minister, it's my, my role to, to help all of them. Hmm. I think that is, uh, it, I think it's a good approach because it doesn't just let us off the hook. Oh, you don't need to do anything because this, uh, all that stuff is Marxist and socialist. No, we're called as Christians to care mm-hmm. about these matters of injustice, mm-hmm. but it also guards against the opposite extreme of, of thinking that we're going to fix everything or even of over-racializing very mm-hmm. complicated issues. That's another thing that John McWhorter talks about. Like, There are a lot of poor Appalachian white people, mm-hmm. and we should be interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, the critical theorist actually says no. <laughs> Uh, they they still have privilege. They're still doing fine. They have um, enough of what it takes for them to to make it in life if they cho- chose to make it. Right, and so uh, the the Christian can reject that error as well and say we should care about what happens mm-hmm. over there in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I think it's a better call to serve. It's more hopeful, and um, to me, it will end up building a church that is multiracial and diverse for a good reason instead of just for a paternalistic reason like mm. we, we were able to help some people yeah I, well, the way i think about going about this is that it's it's really complex and actually yeah. i think it really requires uh thoughtful wisdom um just last night with with the youth group we were studying philippians chapter one and paul's prayer which, let me pull it up here. I don't have it ready to roll, but Paul's prayer in chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 is really, really interesting. Um, and we thought about it a little bit, but it's a very complex prayer. But here's what he says. He said, It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So he's praying that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. This is sort of like wisdom, that they would have love mixed with wisdom or combined with wisdom. Mm. And so we need to love wisely. We need to be thoughtful in how we love. A lot of Christians today, when it comes to these, these issues, it's just sort of sloppy agape. Uh, it's just sort of let's just love, 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 and not really be thoughtful in our love. But I think yeah. what this call, calls for is wisdom. There's, we have to think through what are the best ways to serve our neighbors. What are what are the best ways to really love them, to really help them uh, in a way that will bless them, that will bring flourishing, to use the popular word, maybe overused word, uh, and that will give glory to Christ. Uh, those are all sorts of things we should we should be thinking about. There's not, never any one size fits all approach to to social justice questions. It's very contextualized, but we should, as a baseline, we should be able to say, especially to anyone listening across the world, Christians ought to be loving and discern discerningly loving, uh, loving with knowledge. So that they can approve what's excellent and what is not excellent, they can they can discern the difference between those things. Um, I think part of the issue with, of, with critical theory is that it's it lacks this sort of excellence, mm. uh, and it it seeks to steamroll opposition, and, and by by crushing opposition, by causing opposition to bend the knee. Uh, and so this is why you see cancel culture. This yeah. is why you see a lack of grace, a lack of forgiveness for those who have more power or privilege. Uh, whereas I think a Christian, and th- maybe this is controversial for me to say, a Christian person of color ought to be gracious even with a white Christian. Sure. The graciousness is to go both ways. Um, and that is what is so unique about the Christian way of, of approaching these issues. Uh, and another blanket statement that I will be able to say, and I think it's true, is that the only real racial unity this world will ever know comes because of the gospel yeah. and the blood of Christ. Um, I think we can try to manufacture 
uh, racial harmony by all sorts of political programs that may have good motivations, they may have good desires and aims, but anytime you try to uh, synthetically manufacture racial unity, it will fail in the end. Mm. Sometimes it will fail disastrously. Sometimes it'll just fail a little bit more subtly. It will never be complete. It will never be perfect. Having a sort of utopian vision for racial harmony in this world by purely human mechanistic means will fail. There is no hope. Part of the problem is what's the problem for all things is that sin exists in the human heart. And without Christ making all things new, there will be no hope. And so for Christians, we seek to to bring unity. We seek to live as we will be, to live right now as we will be. So we seek to live unitedly because we know that one day we will all be united. We know the end. We know the end game. That all people of all tongues, of all nations will join together in the chorus of praise before God. And there will be perfect harmony then. And so we seek to make that harmony true now. But we we do not think that we can make that harmony happen by our own means. To do so, I would argue, is naive. Yeah, and maybe that would be, I guess, my last um, takeaway or way to move forward is to put m- far more hope in Christ than in educational systems and political systems. <clears throat> and that's on both sides of things. It's got to be on both sides of, of this debate. Um, both the proponents of crit- critical theory and opponents of critical theory often err in thinking um, the education system and the political system is what we've got to guard at all costs. That's where, that's where there's power, and that's where power is maintained. Um, the Christian just does not think um, only in, in those ways, that the ultimate hope of our lives is Christ. And hmm. so is it true that there is there can be good things done in the political sphere and in the sphere of education? Absolutely. Truth should be promoted. Righteousness should be upheld. Justice should be um, promoted in those places. <clears throat> but that isn't the ultimate hope of hmm. the uh, of the Christian, certainly. It is the ultimate hope of many worldly, non-believing people. And I think that's hmm. what does ultimately make critical theory an unchristian movement, is it puts the hope of humanity into the political sphere instead hmm. of into Christ himself, obviously, and reconciliation that we have to God through him and to one another through Christ. Um, yeah. So um, to, to not idolatry uh, or I. I idolize um, mm-hmm. politics and education is important for both sides to continue to remember. Yeah. I think um, in, in all of that too, it gives a lot of people a sense of meaning. I think there's a, there's a vacuum of meaning right now. Yeah, people yeah. lack any meaning in the world. And so seeing, seeing thing, things in this way gives everybody sort of something to strive for and live towards because now that we live in a post-Christian society more and more, uh, the sort of stuff sort of fills that that gaping hole. Um, So maybe one verse we can end with, uh, which I think is a very powerful verse when it comes to critical race theory in particular, uh, is from 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17. And this was a verse that Mark shared in a recent sermon. Uh, It's a heavy hitter. It's really good. (laughs) (laughs) Paul says this, He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And it's for this reason that Christians do have hope of racial reconciliation. Because Christ's promises are true for the Jew and for the Gentile and all the different kinds of Gentiles. And if all of these people, everyone in the world, can be reconciled through this Christ, we are all then a part of this new creation. 
The old identities that we have once had are now severely, radically relativized in light of this new identity that we have in Christ. We may still have black skin or white skin. We may still be male and female. But in the end, what ultimately matters is that we are together a new creation uh, in Christ. And so that is where we find hope for racial reconciliation. That's where we find the basis of of racial reconciliation. And that is where we find the sort of program for racial reconciliation. It's in Christ. It's in the gospel. Uh, This may not answer all the particulars, the particular questions that we bump into uh, on the day-to-day. But what it does do is show that there is hope. Mm. And so this is something we can continue to strive toward in the church. Yeah, thank you. Um, Great uh, conclusion there with the scripture. And um, it it is just so important for every listener to, to pray about this stuff because it is important. It's not going away. Um, and as Christians, we should speak the truth in love so that we build one another up into um, the, a pure faith in Christ. And uh, that's where we point people to even right now. Um, we don't have all the answers. We don't have the hmm. political answers or the education model answer, but we do have the answer, that's Christ. And so um, that's what the Christian sticks with. Uh, we stand on God's word. So right. thank you everyone for listening and we are uh, interested to hear feedback. I've already yeah. heard a good amount of feedback from my sermon this past Sunday and uh, people have been very supportive and I'm, I'm thankful for that. But um, <laughs> I'm also interested to know uh, how people are processing this issue in their part of the world. So um, thank you for listening, for, for continuing with us here on Reform Podmatics. We hope to continue to produce content that's helpful for your faith grace and peace you guys see you next week